0: Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties Podcast, where we are discussing the Federalist papers. Today we will talk about Federalist 56. We begin these podcasts pointing to the three main ideas from the essay under examination. Here are three big ideas from Federalist 56. Big Idea 1. In Federalist 56, Madison argued against concerns that the House of Representatives would be, quote, too small to possess a due knowledge of the interests of its constituents, end quote. Big Idea 2. To the extent that changes in the economy would mean that members of the House would need a wider range of knowledge, Madison argued in Federalist 56 that such concerns would be addressed by the fact that the number of members of the House would increase over time, just as with the complexity of the economy. Big idea three, in an effort to cite a real-world comparison of the House of Representatives in support of his claim that its membership would not be too small to understand the needs of constituents, Madison Federalist 56 cited the example of the British House of Commons. Now, Madison began Federalist 55 by outlining four main lines of argument against the House of Representatives as articulated in the Constitution. Federalist 56 takes up the second of these which concerns the claim that the House would be too small to sufficiently understand the interests of the electorate. Madison's argument on this point is the focus of Big Idea 1. On one hand, Madison attempted to hone in on that knowledge which would be most important for representatives. Quoting Madison here, quote, It is a sound and important principle that the representative ought to be acquainted with the interests and circumstances of his constituents, this principle can extend no further than to those circumstances and interests to which the authority and care of the representative relate. An ignorance of a variety of minute and particular objects, which do not lie within the compass of legislation, is consistent with every attribute necessary to a due performance of the legislative trust. End quote. This is a serious argument, but one might be excused for finding mildly amusing this last sentence, which begins with a point about ignorance, but ends on a different note and it is plausible there would be some knowledge more relevant to the job of being a member of the House of Representatives than other knowledge. Quoting Madison on this, quote, What are are to be the objects of federal legislation? Those which are of most importance and which seem most to require local knowledge are commerce, taxation, and the militia. End quote. Madison argued that adequate knowledge of commerce would be relatively unproblematic. Quoting Madison here, quote, a proper regulation of commerce requires much information, as has been elsewhere remarked. But as far as this information relates to the laws and local situation of each individual state, a very few representatives would be very sufficient vehicles of it to the federal councils. End quote. Thinking hard about the structure of this last point, does it follow that few representatives would be necessary to convey this kind of knowledge or information because this knowledge is about local law and circumstances? Something like that seems to be the claim at issue. And this local knowledge of commerce would do some work, Madison thought, to inform members of the House about taxation policy. Madison began by distinguishing between duties and, quote, internal collections, end quote. But when focused on this last mode of taxation, he offered a similar argument to that made about commerce more generally, quoting Madison once again, quote, As far as it may consist of internal collections, a more diffusive knowledge of the circumstances of the state may be necessary. But will not this also be possessed in sufficient degree by a very few intelligent men, diffusively elected within the state? Divide the state into 10 or 12 districts, and it will be found that there will be no peculiar local interests in either, which will not be within the knowledge of the representative of the district. End of Beyond that, Madison thought that understanding relevant to questions of taxation would already be expressed in state law, so this knowledge could be collected and used to inform federal policy. Quote, a skillful individual in his closet, with all the local codes before him, might compile a law on some subjects of taxation for the whole union without any aid from oral information, and it may be expected that whenever internal taxes may be necessary, and particularly in cases requiring uniformity throughout the states, the more simple objects will be preferred, end quote. Finally, Madison pointed to the likelihood that members of the House of Representatives would likely have previously been members of state legislatures. So for this reason, they would bring with them considerable practical and useful knowledge about local circumstances. Such knowledge of local circumstances would likewise benefit regulations of matters pertaining to to the militia. Quote, for however the rules of discipline may be in different states. They are the same throughout each particular state and depend on circumstances, which can differ but little in different parts of the same state." End quote. One puzzle that Madison anticipated was that in asserting the sufficiency of the knowledge of representatives, it might seem as if he did not think it was so important that representatives possess a large amount of expertise. He addressed this by drawing a distinction between knowledge of matters in one state and matters concerning the states taken together. Quote, On a comparison of the different states together, we find a great dissimilarity in their laws, and in many other circumstances connected with the objects of federal legislation, with all of which the federal representatives ought to have some acquaintance. Whilst a few representatives, therefore, from each state may bring with them a due knowledge of their own state, every representative will have much information to acquire concerning all the other states. End quote. Madison turned to a somewhat different argument, leading us to Big Idea 2. The objection concerning insufficient knowledge on the part of the members of the House of Representatives of their constituents was a function of the small number of members of the House. Madison pointed out that the number of members would increase over time, allowing greater knowledge of the more complex economy that seemed likely in the future. Quoting Madison on this point, quote, At present, some of the states are little more than a society of husbandmen. Few of them have made much progress in those branches of industry which give a variety and complexity to the affairs of a nation. These, however, will in all of them be the fruits of a more advanced population and will require on the part of each state a fuller representation. The foresight of the convention has accordingly taken care that progress of population may be accompanied with a proper increase of the representative branch of the government, end quote. Big Idea 3 is focused on Madison's discussion of Britain. One way to argue that the House of Representatives would not be too small would be to compare it to a like institution. In this case, Madison compared it to the House of Commons in Britain. At first glance, it might seem that the example of the House of Commons, due to its relatively large size, would support the case against which Madison argued. However, Madison asserted that many of the members of the House of Commons might be considered as not relevant to the question at hand. In part, this was because of unevenness in the size of constituencies in the House of Commons. Quoting Madison here, quote, The number of inhabitants in the two kingdoms of England and Scotland cannot be stated at less than eight millions. The representatives of these eight millions in the House of Commons amount to 558. Of this number, one-ninth are elected by 364 persons, and one-half by 5,723 persons. It cannot be supposed that the half thus elected, and who do not even reside among the people at large, can add anything either to the security of the people against the government or to the knowledge of their circumstances and interests in the legislative councils. On the contrary, it is notorious that they are more frequently the representatives and instruments of the executive magistrate than the guardians and advocates of the popular rights. They might therefore, with great propriety, be considered as something more than a mere deduction from the real representatives of the nation, end quote. Having so adjusted the number of members of the House of Commons relevant to the discussion at hand, Madison pointed to a rough equivalence between the two cases. When considering the House of Commons, Madison observed, after this numerical adjustment, that, quote, There will be one representative only to maintain the rights and explain the situation of 28,670 constituents in an assembly exposed to the whole force of executive influence and extending its authority to every object of legislation within a nation whose affairs are in the highest degree diversified and complicated. Yet it is very certain not only that a valuable portion of freedom has been preserved under all these circumstances, but that the defects in the British Code are chargeable in a very small proportion on the ignorance of the legislature concerning the circumstances of the people, end quote. As suggested above, this discussion of the House of Commons was intended to show that the American House of Representatives was not so small as to prevent adequate understanding of the interests of constituents, quoting Madison here, quote, Allowing to this case the weight which is due to it, and comparing it with that of the House of Representatives as above explained, it seems to give the fullest assurance that a representative for every 30,000 inhabitants will render the latter both a safe and competent guardian of the interests which will be confided to it." Quote. We often close these podcasts with a brief reference to politics in the present and the future, relevant to the essay under review. Considering the ratios described by Madison of constituents to representatives, allows us to think in terms of the relative size of the House of Representatives currently. The Constitution stated that, quote, the number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, But as we observed in an earlier podcast, the number of members of the House of Representatives has been fixed at 435 for more than a century. The population, however, has continued to grow. There were more than 330 million people counted in the 2020 Census of the United States, meaning that the ratio between the number of representatives and the population of the country is now one to more than 750,000. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit the Institute's website at sunwater.org.